dear husband, I write you a loving farewell and my children. Give my kind love to mother, sister and all inquiring friends. Be good to the bairns. I hope you will forgive me as God will forgive me. Cursed White has done all this. She swore I had taken Siller, which was false, but they wrong everybody. I have nothing to live for. I have no friends in this world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest installment of Borders Blenderings. And today, this is part four of a multi-part podcast series, Mother in Style. Are you well, Mary? I am indeed. How are you today? Not bad at all today. And I hope there will be a little bit less coughing than there was on our last recording. Indeed, yeah. yes. We've got over our outside yeah, yeah. Uh, recordings. I am a bit confused, however, because earlier today on the radio, I heard the MP claim that teachers were troublesome agitators and communists. Uh, and you may be thinking, what has this got to do with the story today? Mm -hmm. I would say everything. Yes. In terms of creating a, a narrative and pointing a finger. Yes. Everybody buys <coughs> into the narrative. Let's buy into that narrative. And everybody bought into the narrative that Eliza had done it. She was either mad or bad. You and that was the more. only story to tell. Yeah. And today we're going to possibly try and tell a different story. I think it behoves us to attempt to put another spin, to use a modern term, on, <laughs> yes. on this story. Yes. To support Eliza yes. here. Uh, let's refer back to part three of this, when we looked at Victoriana and Victorian values. Yes. We talked about social structure, we talked about the role and voice that women had in particular, mm. and I think that background plays very much into the way our story unfolds. Absolutely, yes. And the, the thing that concerns me, I think, most, uh, and in an earlier episode we had talked about and addressed many questions that we felt were left open yes. as a result yeah. of the way this played out. Yeah. My, my issue here is with this apparent rush to mad or bad. Yes. And that the defence and the prosecution are happy to line up along those binary lines mm, yeah, very yeah, quickly. There, there's never an assumption of innocence for the lines. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. And yet, we had the idea of Sammy, Samuel being at one time for less than 24 hours a co-accused co in this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you've often used the phrase, and I understand what you mean, by, ah, yeah, because everybody knows that the lies have done it. Yeah. I'm going to try and put a different <laughs> spin on that and say, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You're being critical of the way things went when you say that. I think there's a case to be made to say, in fact, Everybody, or those most involved, needed Eliza to have done it. And with her health and healing problems, with her sense of isolation, and perhaps, and we'll use a lot of perhaps, may, mm -hmm. might, and yeah. could in this episode, and perhaps with a growing sense of betrayal, we can take a different look at the incident in the shop the alleged theft, because this becomes very central when the case comes to trial. It does, yes. 
And I, I, I've been looking back, I've been listening back to our episodes and listening back to a few of our other podcast episodes and something I'm very conscious of is the fact that, for example, our recent Frederick Douglass episode or our Walter Scott episode, yeah. I would scuttle away to the books, have a quick read over, yeah. refresh my mind, come back and we would have a blether. I'm very aware that in the first episode of this, I'm saying, can't find any notes razor. Oh, it's terrible. Where did Dr. Buchan come from? I don't understand this. I don't understand that. And the more I've read, the more I've come to the conclusion that it's sloppy policing. Yeah, yeah. I think Sergeant Milne is out his depth. Now, Superintendent Alfred John List is up in Edinburgh dealing with the political machinations up there. Uh, there's a lot so going Sergeant Milne yeah. is left his own devices. So we don't have the police records. Now, we should have them. Indeed. I don't know where they are. I don't know if he lost them or he didn't write them up properly. But the fact that it doesn't mention the razor in his precognition statement, mm-hmm. but it does in yeah. Samuel's, yeah. is interesting. Now, he may well have gone up to Harriet, you know, to get his colleague, and his colleague wasn't there, and he had to go out to the farm to get it back. He doesn't write anything down. So that's why for the first two podcasts... I'm busy contradicting myself, as everybody else contradicts themselves in this yeah, story. It's, it's and I think it's not that Sergeant Milne is bad or corrupt. I think he's just completely out of his depth, running about not quite sure what he's doing. So when we get to the situation of him saying, as he did, oh, Eliza said she changed her mind, and his PC saying, well, I wasn't there when it was said that, you know, and it wasn't brought up in the trial. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to cover his back. So a lot of the why and the why not questions... Yeah can be answered by Sergeant Milne's incompetence, if you like. Including the so-called smoking gun, where the, the Eliza oh, is said to yeah, yeah. change her because, mind. Yeah. And I think his incompetence is known, because <clears throat> otherwise, if I was the prosecution, yeah. I'd have brought that up. Yeah. So I think that accounts for a lot of the why and the why not uh-huh. questions. Yes. You know, why didn't they go for the doctor, or why just this and why just that? If we allow for the fact that he doesn't know what he's doing, He's flustered. Oh, uh, you look after Eliza. I'll go and get my colleague. That's flustering. Mm-hmm. That's that's you know, it's not incompetence. It's not corruption. It's incompetence. No, that's it's, what it, it is it, with him. It's so a, 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 a rural community policeman who's I don't know maybe All of a sudden, just yeah. used to rescuing yeah. sheep from a exactly. difficult situation. All of a sudden, he's faced with a murder he's and then a double murder. murder. You know, yeah. so he's, he's not quite sure what he's doing. And of course, because Alfred John List is engaged up in Edinburgh. Sergeant Milne, once he puts the report into the sheriff and the sheriff sends the report to the fiscal's office, then it's no longer a police matter. It becomes part of the justice system. It seems to go from the police to the judiciary very, very quickly. Yes, because if the assumption is, if, you know, the murder happens, he comes in. Exactly. So you've got Samuel and Eliza initially as co-accused and then Samuel is no longer, it's just Eliza. It's fine, we know she done it. She's either mad or bad. Yeah. Write that up, send that to the sheriff. The sheriff sends that to the <coughs> fiscal. The fiscal lays an indictment. It's a justice issue. Yeah. So there is no need. It's probably mm. why Superintendent uh, Alfred Johnless doesn't even give evidence at the trial because Indeed. there's no evidence yeah. he can give. Yeah. Um, Sergeant Milne isn't really called to account for anything because it doesn't matter. Mm. Eliza done it. But what we're saying is that while... Sergeant Milne's incompetence answers a lot of the why and the why not questions. It doesn't account for the timeline between Eliza going to the shop initially to buy the loaf of bread to the children being killed. And that, I think, is where we can tell a very different story having discovered more information about the White family 
and who, why no one seems to take a more forensic approach to yes. an alternative to they this. They appear to be key to this case. Yeah. So this story, yeah. which we originally thought was Eliza's, yes. and we yes. briefly thought was yeah. Samuel's story, it is Samuel's story in a way, but actually this is the story of the White family. Absolutely agree. Yeah. And thinking back to our last podcast about Victorian morality, how they are managing to live in style with with the family situation they have and how Mrs. White is controlling that morality. That's the different story we have to tell today. So let's delve in a little bit deeper into how this may have played out. Now, you told me recently that Robert White Sr., shopkeeper, he was also a mill worker at one point and has elevated his status in society. Yes, and that's a massive thing for Mrs. White. Now, he was probably earning practically no more money than he did in the mill, right. but the status of being a general provisions merchant, yeah. the fact that they had one room downstairs, which was the shop, and one room upstairs where everybody lived, doesn't matter. Mm. He was a shop sure. owner. This was a, you know, a, a 10 years scrimping and saving to get the money, but yeah. this was a huge, massive thing, and it meant that they could look down on the mill workers. Now, Robert Jr., the son, still goes to work in the mill, their daughter Jane, whom we've recently discovered, was uh-huh. another member of the family, worked in the mill. And Kirsty, once she was old enough, would have been expected to work in the mill, which was great fun because you get to play them, have a gossip, yeah. and have a giggle yeah. with the girls in the mill and all the rest of it. But the family are now shopkeepers. And so you might work in the mill for a little bit, but you know, your daddy is somebody now. And Mrs. White's got the proud, you know, She's a shop owner's wife now. She's not a mill worker's wife. She has gone from a bucket to a bouquet. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You know, and and this is is a big thing. So Robert Jr. is still working in the mill and Jane is working in the mill. uh, And the two of them are working in the mill alongside Samuel. So, you know, they, they, they know Samuel. Eliza's going to the shop. Samuel's a co-worker with them. Yeah. You know, and they'd be aware of when little baby Daniel was born. And then, of course, another baby is born just about 18 months after Daniel. Now, here's an interesting story, because at the moment I'm holding in my hand a copy of an extract of a birth certificate from 1868, just a few years before mm-hmm. these events take mm-hmm. place. And you mentioned, not Kirsty, but another daughter. Jane. It says here, mother, Jane White. Robert White, yet another Robert in our yes, story. Baby Robert. <laughs> Illegitimate. So uh-huh. that raises a few questions. Yes. So why has Jane not popped up before? Has she been dispatched because to protect the reputation? Fam- yes, indeed. Mrs. White has made it. She has clawed her way into the lower middle classes. Mm-hmm. And now her daughter has done the unforgivable. She has had an illegitimate child. So what can Mrs. White do? She has to get... Because remember, Victorian morality, it's always the woman's fault. You've taught me that. Jane has to be got rid of. (laughs) So poor Jane has been chucked out Killerhead. She's been chucked out Stout. Maybe she's in Galashiels. Maybe she's in Selkirk. We don't know. But she is gone. She's gone. Now, in the shop, probably Mr. and Mrs. White worked alongside each other in the shop. Robert Jr.'s working in the mill. Kirsty's at school, around about 13 years old, when yeah. baby Robert's born. Yeah. And she would have expected to go into the mill, as I say, and have, would, have yeah. some fun with the mill girls and all the rest of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, they've now got a baby in the house. 
You can't ask Kirsty to look after the baby because people in the neighbourhood might talk and assume that Kirsty was the mother. Right. Oh dear me. So Mrs White has to look after baby Robert, which means Kirsty has to come out of school and instead of going into the mill and having fun and mm-hmm. laughs and jokes with the girls in the mill, yeah. she's stuck yeah. behind the counter so at her daddy's shop. And so that's the background. So the Whites are desperately making sure that, yes, there has been this problem with an illegitimate baby, but everything else is perfect. The White household is perfect, thank you very much. And people like Eliza who come in, it might explain actually why they allow Eliza and others to um, buy things on credit. Because they're, the whites' morality is not that great. So if they start being standoffish and say, oh, we don't give credit, you know, well, they're not so good. So they're <clears> trying desperately to put up a brave face about what is We're going on We're hiding the dark face by presenting a very bright face to the community. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so <clears> by the time you <throat> get to 1871, yeah. you've got little Daniel, who's about three and a half. Mm-hmm. You've got baby Robert, baby who's Robert. two. Yeah. And you've got Isabella, who's 11 months old. Yeah. Is Samuel a father of all three children? Uh-huh. This is what I'm thinking. Possibly. Might be a possibility. Because, of course, remember, Samuel got a little bit of previous down in Dukesbury. Yes, we talked we about of, that last time, right? Yes. Um, that he allegedly was not the father of that child, but had to run all the way to Scotland and change his name and change his age and yeah. all the rest of the nonsense. That I'm not 100% believing Samuel on that one. No, no. So is this another baby? It's it, Possibly not, but it's very... It's, it's a strange one. It is. It is a very. You know, we can't say for definite. There's, there's no, a lot of sure, things we cannot sure, say for definite in sure, this story. Sure. I think it's important that we act, uh, not in Eliza's defence, but we're we're trying to paint an alternative narrative that yes. fits better. I'm afraid. Yeah. To our, uh, and particularly your research and all the documentation mm. that we ploughed through over yeah. the weeks. So this yeah. story has definitely. Um, yeah unfolded in front of our very eyes. So this changes the scenario when, so. when Elizabeth, and Eliza, sorry, because I'm giving her a poor Sunday name, when Eliza mm. goes into that shop yeah. for the second time, she goes into the shop the first time and then she goes into the shop the second time, we, we, we couldn't quite work out why she would go back. Well, Unless can I, can I interrupt there's been some comment or something's happened. I've long believed Without this extra evidence, but I've long believed that Kirsty's testimony at the trial about the events that happened with the alleged theft, mm-hmm. word for word, the same as a precondition. Yeah, statement. that's an odd one. Um, dogs, whistles, bells, uh, yeah. uh, and packets of tea and so on. Yeah. Very rehearsed. I've always believed, really, that Eliza goes back to the shop the second time without her children, mm-hmm. remember, yeah. to confront Kirsty. White or the whites themselves about something. Yes. What I don't know is what yes. that something may have yes. been. Because now that we know this background about the whites, I mean, think about that that timeline that has never sat properly for it me at all. The timeline comes from Kirsty. Yeah. What happened in the shop comes from Kirsty. Yes. So if we think that Eliza goes not about half past five, as Kirsty originally said. Mm. Let's say she goes to the shop at five to six. She's left her little boy with a neighbour. We know that. She goes to the shop at five to six. She gets the loaf of bread. That is put on credit, right? She has a little bit of an exchange with with Kirsty. That's fine. She then goes back home 
and for some reason leaves Isabella with her neighbour and goes back to the shop after closing time to have a conversation with Kirsty after closing. Now, according to Kirsty, it's to steal the soap. But if it's not, if there has been something said at that first visit, if Kirsty and Eliza <coughs> had an exchange at that first visit, which has meant that Eliza is angry, she goes back, she says to her neighbour, oh, I've forgotten something, can you hold Isabella for me? Because she goes back, why would she go back a second? Why would she not just take Isabella exactly with her? Back. She yeah. doesn't want her daughter there. She wants to go back and confront <coughs> Kirsty yeah. because Kirsty has said something at that first I think so. visit. Yeah. Yeah. And if we have the background, if we think of Kirsty, yeah. now we've said before we think she embellishes a bit. We've talked about the fact That's that you mentioned the fact that her precognition statement and her evidence in court is identical. Yeah. It's like a script she's learned. Yeah. We know she's 15. All of her mates are probably working in the mill, having a laugh, having a giggle. Yeah. She's stuck behind the counter of her dad's shop. Mm-hmm. Her big sister, who knows, maybe her and Jane were pally. Her big sister's no longer there. She's in a household full of her, her dad and her brothers and her yeah. mum, who's probably yeah. grumpy about the fact that she's in her 50s and she's having to take care of a, a baby. There's a baby crying all night. Kirsty's not having a good it's time. It's not in a good place. Right? She's maybe in a bad mood. Who and knows? She sees her life ahead of her, in, in a and, sense, and, and it's not yeah, good. It's, it's not, not good, good. right. And of course, remember, Victorian morality, it's always yeah. the woman's yeah. fault. Now, she could blame her big sister, Jane, mm-hmm. but is it not easier to blame uh, Eliza oh, yeah. if you suspect or you know that mm-hmm. Samuel's actually the father yeah. of baby Robert? Yeah. So, okay, Eliza goes in and says, can I buy some bread? Kirsty says, yes, of course, hands of the loaf. And Eliza says something like, I'm afraid I can't pay for it just now. Can you put no it in the book and um, my husband will pop in at the end of the week when he's paid. Oh, you know, Sammy will be it. And then Kirsty makes a smart remark like, yeah. oh yes, he'll pop in. Oh, yeah. Sammy's always popping in. Mm-hmm. Some silly wee throwaway catty teenage remark because she's bored and it's the only customer she's had in all day. And Eliza gets angry. But she's in the shop. Somebody else could come in. She's got a baby with her. What does she do? Then she goes back along. Yes, yes. Hands Eliza over to her neighbour and thinks, I'm going back along to speak to that wee man. What did she mean? What is she talking about? Sammy, calling my husband Sammy. Mm-hmm. Which she thinks she is. Yeah. Then she goes back along. The shop is now closed for the evening, so nobody else will be in. Yeah. And she and Kirsty, they have a row. She's there for a confrontation. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she suspected Samuel being the father. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's not sure, but whatever happens, there's a row. And, and I, I loved your voice there when you were <laughs> play-acting uh, Kirsty in, in Eliza's yeah. first visit to the shop. Yeah. But here we see, possibly, the same type of performance at that moment as Kirsty again gives at the trial, at where the she's trial. taking her day in the sun and yes. she's embellishing what is Absolutely. going on. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if she meant to say something catty to Eliza. It might just have been a throwaway remark throwaway because remark, she was maybe. in a bad mood that day or she'd had an argument <clears throat> with her mum. Yeah. But she said enough to anger Eliza to because, anger remember, Eliza. the yeah. White said that Eliza came into the shop at half five and then came back half an hour later. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't work out. No. no. But if she came in at about five to six just before the shop was closing mm-hmm. and then yeah. she goes back and says to somebody, can you just... You know, I need to nip back along. I've forgotten something. That makes sense. Then there's the argument. And I don't believe that Kirsty called for her mother. I think Mrs. White heard the argument and came it down. Came down. A stop needs to be put to this. It's this is, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is. You picked up on yeah. that early. What does she mean yeah. by this? Yeah. Yeah. The yelling and bawling in the shop? 
the fact that you're Samuel's strain, because of course, remember, if Samuel is the father of the baby, that's Eliza's fault. It's her fault, mm-hmm. her husband's strain. She is, she's supposed to be in charge of her family's morality. Mm-hmm. So if it's wrong, it's her fault. And that's where the argument happens. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why Kirsty's testimony at trial becomes about the alleged theft becomes so important. Yes. In 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 a sense. Yes. And what what you just said it it sheds some light for me on why why do both Roberts Robert Senior Robert Junior uh, uh, this is women's work why do they both have to go to this, the this this is women's work to to confront M- Mrs. Samuel Mrs White will if, tell if yeah Samuel's wife is a habitual thief and this exactly is known. because this why why would no they sense. both have to go why would they go before the bill who took why would they both da, 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 da. So your timeline again. So Mrs. White goes yeah. up the stairs and says to Mr. White, and right oh. <laughs> out, you need to get along there, speak to Samuel, <clears throat> tell him that something's happened, give me about 20 minutes, and then come back along and we'll get all this, we'll sorted, get this out. sorted out. She gets the two men out of the house while she and Kurt, what did you say to her? Mm-hmm. What did you say? Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. Well, we can't have all of this. I mean, your sister's been, you know, shoved down to circuit. We can't have all of this again. We've just got the family reputation back. You've kicked it all. You silly wee so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. What are you going to say? What are we going to say? Yeah. If there's a row, what are we going to say? And go, well, well, she's pinched soap before. Okay, soap. And then again, Kirsty with her big mouth. Oh, we could always say that she stole siller or, or something like that out uh-huh. of the till. Because yeah. remember in Eliza's suicide note, she doesn't mention the soap. No. Nope. Does she allege or the tea. Or yeah. the tea. She talks about the fact that they said I stole Siller, which was false. So, you know, I mean, is, is Samuel paying for this baby? Is money an issue? Is he, is he paying for baby Robert's yeah. upkeep? You know, yeah. So I don't know, but that gives Mrs. White 20 minutes to calm Kirsty down, give her a row for what she's done, told her what the story's going to be yeah. before... Mr. White and Robert Jr. and Samuel come and back Samuel along. Samuel go back to the Because why place. else would he go back? Why else would he go back? Exactly. They've got no reason to. Yeah. So they come back and they hammer out a story to keep everybody's reputation on the cutie. Maybe they had a, a drama afterwards to celebrate yeah. or something. Yeah. But at this point in their mind, job done. We've fought the fire. It's sorted. We've dealt with the reputational damage, as it were, yeah. corporate talk. And... Samuel probably skips on his way home to the family home thinking, job done. Phew. It's sorted. Probably, yeah, yeah. There's no thought of a trial at that point. They're, no. they're, they're simply no, dealing no, with sorted. the daughter's, uh, Christie's yeah. uh, loose tongue. Yeah, because if you think about it, Samuel's yeah. leaving the mill at 7 o'clock. He's probably saying, no, I'm going home to get my dinner and put mm. my feet up or something. He comes out the mill and he's confronted with Mr. White. And young Robert thinks, oh, what's going on here? And they say, oh, there's been a big stushy in the shop. And you realise and Kirsty have been yelling and bawling and shouting at each other. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? Well, look, we don't know quite what it's about, but, you know, we're going to have to go back along. So that's a 20-minute conversation. Then he goes back along. So he's, oh, what's going on here? You know, where's all this coming from? Then they go back and it's all calmed down because Mrs. White's taking control. She's the mother. It's morality. She's taking control. It's all sorted out. This is a story we're going for. If anybody has heard, because somebody might have heard the row as they yep. were going past. Yep. It's about your Eliza. She's been pinching so, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and Kirsty's by this time. Oh, she's got her whistles and her dogs and her packets of tea all in place. Yep. So all of that's done. And if anybody, you know, if Eliza kicks off and, well, the till was open and we thought she might have stolen some silver this yeah. time, you know, so that's sorted all out. Yep. We're all okay. Everybody will have a wee dram to celebrate. 
He goes back along to his house about eight o'clock. And what does he find? Opens the door to a scene of horror. Yeah. Eliza's sitting there with a sliced throat, a suicide note. Uh-huh. And his two babies are probably crawling towards him going, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Yeah. Because blood's frightening for children. Their mummy's lying there all hurt. And then Daddy, 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 Daddy. They don't know what's going on. And now he panics. Because he thought it was all sorted. Now he panics. Massively panics. And he's got to think. He he's got to think quickly. Yeah. Because this is... A neighbour who's already heard the yelling in the shop yep. might come along and knock on the door to a nosy neighbour. Is everything okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. Can I help at all? Yeah. You know, some nosy neighbour. Caring neighbour, maybe. Not a nosy neighbour. Well, one of each. <laughs> one of each. Um, who knows if Kirsty is actually <coughs> under control? What if Kirsty's decided she doesn't want to do what her mum tells her and she wants mm-hmm. to come back along? Yeah. Or she's just, again, she wants to come along and listen in at the door. I want to see what Eliza says. What does Samuel say to Eliza? Who knows? Somebody could walk in that room at any moment. Samuel has to regain the control that he thought he had. It's now gone again. So what does he do? He can fetch the doctor and answer all the medical doctor's questions and ride out the scandal that will leak from this. Yes. He could do that. Okay, that's number one. Uh, He could run away. He could just split. He's done that before. (laughs) Duke's Billy. He has a history of that one. He has a history of that one. Um, He could kill his children. Oh, no, that doesn't make any sense. And I, I wouldn't do that. I know that doesn't make any sense, but actually and it I does. I wouldn't do that, Mary. The problem is that that makes no sense to anybody. It makes no sense to anybody to kill your children, except for some men it does because it's a control issue. It's the ultimate control. No, oh, tell me more. Now, in the past 50-odd years in Britain, mm-hmm. unfortunately there are people who kill their children. There are parents who kill the children, yeah. predominantly men, predominantly in a violent way. We know that. Yes, we talked about that in yeah. Pardon, but in an earlier episode, mm-hmm. we sought some um, advice from mm-hmm. psychologists and, and so on that who pointed out to us that women tend, when they do, bring them towards them, to yeah. smother them, to bring them into their breasts, to go together. Mm-hmm. Interesting, but you're now talking about men. Men, it's always violent, which is uh-huh. one thing. But it's the motive that is is bizarre to my way of thinking. Okay. So there are three cases that I've I've become aware of. One case of, we'll call him Mr. X. Yes, yes. He and his wife have an acrimonious divorce. Mm-hmm. She gets sole custody of the children. He is angry at his wife. So he killed his children. These are cases in the UK? These are cases in the UK. He was brought to trial... <coughs> And he was asked why he had killed his children. Mm. And he said, because they're mine. I'm not having her have my children. You're thinking, oh. you go to court, you get yourself a lawyer, you fight for custody, you, 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 you yeah. join a campaign. But that was his logic. That was his absolute logic. If I can have, you know, you, yeah, 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 yeah. If I can I have can them, you're not having them. Control, the ultimate control of life yeah. and death. Yeah. So I read that. I have been reading some very, very bizarre things with this case. So I read that and I thought, okay, right, that, that's horrific. And then there was another one of a chap who had, uh, again, divorced, him and his wife divorced, and they got joint custody. Fair enough. But then he meets a new girlfriend who doesn't like children, so he killed his children. And again, you think, but just walk away then. If you don't want the children, just walk away from them. Abandon them. Why have you got to kill them the because they're mine. Girlfriend they're mine. Yep. The they're my kids. children. 
I will dispose of them. I have the ultimate control. Yeah, yeah. You think that this this is madness. Mm -hmm. But logically for the man, it makes sense because he is controlling the situation. And then I I came across a third case of a man whose wife had died. Didn't really want them anymore. Uh Didn't want to take care of them anymore. And you think, you must have female relatives. There's a care system in this country. It's not like a packet of biscuits that you don't exactly. want anymore. You throw, but that's what it seems to be. It is control. Mm. Now, in all three of those cases that I mentioned, there was no urgency. And yet in Samuel's case, there is an urgency. Is, yes, yes. So is Samuel a case where I can't run away again because I ran away in Duke's Spain. If I run away again, no, no, no. What are they going to think of me? Change my name again. How many times can I do that? Okay. He's also, depending on what age he may or may not be at this point, he might be pushing 40 by this time. We're Uh not quite sure. And that might be young today. It wasn't then. And you know, having to start, having to start over again. Yep, yeah. Yep. And can he run away? Are the whites going to chase after him? Yep. So that's yep. maybe not yep. an issue. Yep. But if he stays, he's going to have to answer questions. And maybe, I mean, maybe people are going to think his wife's mad. Maybe she'll end up in the asylum. And then he's going to have two children to take care of. Mm. Oh, for goodness sake. And maybe people are going to know about the argument in the shop. But so, so I'm going to have to ride that out. And then I've got the children to take care of and I don't want to take care of them. And this is now a mess. And then when the doctor comes, I say, oh, she's mad and she killed the kids. She needs to go. She, she needs to be hanged. And that's an end of the matter. That's an end. Yeah. You, 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 you gave three examples there of where, where although we, we, we started by saying this is not a logical solution. No. To use a very overused word today, it's not unprecedented. No, it is not unprecedented. And the the fact that everybody, those three cases I mentioned, defence lawyers, prosecution lawyers, psychologists, anybody with two brain cells is screaming, just walk away from the kids if you don't want them. For some men, no, it's a control issue. Mm -hmm. And I think Samuel, put under pressure... I think that is as plausible, if not more so, than Eliza, who is known to love her children, writes a loving farewell to my husband and my children, and writes, "Don't you know? Take care of the kids. Take care of the children. Take care of the bairns." Of the suicide note, as used in evidence, we've always struggled with that. I think that's a lot more plausible than her writing that and then changing her (coughs) mind, according to Sergeant Mister Incompetent Sergeant Milne. I think that's a lot more believable. Because remember that sentence that Sergeant Milne said of Eliza saying she changed her mind. That's never used in the never trial. Yeah. The prosecution took well look at that one. We're using that bit of mm-hmm. dodgy information. Yeah. Yeah. It is as equally plausible for Samuel to have killed those children as Eliza, and I think more so yeah. given all the evidence we know about Eliza and how she cared for her children and the suicide and what is known about women who kill and men who kill. Yeah. I think Samuel's just tidying up. So this is really, in essence, a story about the whites, uh, the white yes. family, and their status and yes. the protection of that status, yeah. and having, in a sense, a very convenient other mm-hmm. UH yeah. from around here, yeah. and Eliza was yeah. not from around here to point the finger at. I mean, perhaps Eliza suspected that Samuel was the father of the baby. I think possibly. And Kirsty is bored. She's she's yeah. made a smart remark, yeah. and that's what's triggered that. Feel desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and Eliza has gone home and Eliza has had enough. She's got no friends. She's got no family. She's got her incontinence problem. She's got her hearing problem. She's got no money. Her reputation's gone. And now the Whites, remember, Mrs. White, she thought was a friend. They're all just laughing at her and yelling at her and ha, ha, ha. And the shame of having a husband who strays. Because if you think about it, the Kirsty story is that Eliza is so shamed about stealing a bar of soap, she kills her children and kills herself. In this version... Eliza is so shamed by the Victorian morality of having a husband who strays that she kills herself. Not her children. Her children are blameless. And to the community, the fact that her husband, if he had been straying, that would be her fault. Oh, absolutely. She wasn't attending to business at home. It is always the woman's fault. It is Jane White's fault that she had the baby. So she's chucked it a killer hit. It's Eliza's fault that Samuel strays. It is always the woman's fault. Women are the holders of morality and therefore absolutely 100% culpable when anything goes wrong. And that would not really probably not be challenged by the good members of the community who are happy to fall behind. No, because everybody believes that. Everybody believes that. And so that's why you instantly get the she must have done it, mad or bad. And everything else falls into place. And that scenario deals with that timeline that made no sense according to Kirsty's story. And of course, Kirsty by this time has got, because Kirsty and Mrs. White have sat down that afternoon and they've got the story straight. And then maybe a week later, Kirsty goes up to Edinburgh to give her precognition statement and they've got the story. They've got soap, they've got tea, they've got dogs, they've got bells, they've got whistles, they've got bits of coal and bits of sticks and this and that and the Mm. next thing. And she's got her story. She'll be going up to Edinburgh, she'll have her best hat on and her best dress on and she'll go all the way up to Edinburgh in the train and she will give a word-for-word precognition statement. Now, Normal people would say things like, yes, officer, uh, I saw the man with the red hat on, it was about two o'clock, maybe say five past two. That was what you would say in your precognition statement. Then you get into the court and you say, oh, I think it was about quarter past two. And the barrister will say, oh, you said five past two. That's normal. That's the way normal people think and remember things. Kirsty says it word for word. It's a script she has learned. And of course, nobody contradicts her because the only person there it's Eliza, and the defence are not going to allow Eliza yeah. to speak because, yeah. she, well, she's mad, so you can't listen to a mad woman. And the prosecution aren't going to call her because, well, why would they? I'm digressing in my brain here because you're talking about the word script, and we don't script anything. No. <laughs> but it is. We have this off pat word for word. Yes. Script. I mean, it's literally word for word. You're right. This is a scripted piece of evidence yes. that is central to this yes. entire case. Yeah. And remember, there's nobody else speaking for Eliza. Now, the, the defence team go and they get uh, an old friend, a mill worker, to say, well, yeah, she was a bit melancholic and all the rest of it. But remember, her mother yeah. and her sister they're and her there. aunt, yeah. they're not brought in yeah. because, of course, the defence can't bring them in. Because if you have her mother... Betsy on the stand saying, oh yes, this is my daughter and she, she suffered a little bit from melancholia and all the rest of it. All the prosecution have to say is, yeah. you're not a real mother, are you? Yeah, you oh no, it. she's yeah. illegitimate, isn't she? She's been, well, you're from Ireland, aren't you? You and your sister. Oh, the dirty Irish, the feckless Irish, the bad Irish. Because yep. 
this is after the, the, the famine, and the famine was the fault of the Irish themselves because they were stupid and they were lazy and they were bad. Yeah, but they were exporting food to, to, to Oh, yeah. During the Venison famine. and trout and all sorts, right? Yeah, yeah. But that was what everybody believed. So if the defence bring in her mother or her aunt or her sister to mm-hmm. go, now, maybe they couldn't find them, fair enough. But that's a yeah, dangerous yeah. thing to do because the prosecution will just say, yeah. da da, she's illegitimate. Now, if you're illegitimate, you're the product of sin, and if you're sinful, you're wicked. See, we told you, she's bad, not mad. Uh-huh. So there's nobody speaking up. So the, the, all the trial has is Kirsty and her story, and her story is based on what her mother, yes. Mrs. White, has been has saying to her, to, her. Yeah. to desperately make sure yeah. that the White family's reputation goes. As we spoke before, it's all sending Robert... Uh, senior and junior along to the mill. It's about soap, it's about cleanliness, it's about silver. Nothing about Jane, nothing about the baby. And I don't wish to cast any aspersions upon the work of the defence team in this case, but it seems to me that they're almost happy by going with this mad or bad scenario, by going down that road. They are, in fact, complicit in upholding Victorian values. Oh, absolutely, yes. Because remember, once Sergeant Milne has put in his bit of paper and it Mm. goes to the sheriff and it goes up to the fiscal's office, it's then in the justice system. So what the defence team is presented with is a woman accused of murdering her children and they have to run a defence. So the defence is either that she's innocent, didn't do it, uh, or she's mad. Now, if she didn't do it, then somebody else did. But all the evidence points for it to be her. Because Samuel's no longer a co-accused. Yeah. And there's this huge stushy about soap and about yeah. shame and yeah. about stealing in the shop. And yeah. obviously what's happened is... She, and she did attempt to kill and herself. And she in, did yeah. write a suicide yeah. note. There's so obviously she yeah. is mad. Yeah. And that's it. This and goes so from defend, being yeah. a police matter to the judiciary um, very, very quickly. Very quickly, yes. Very quickly. Yes, yeah. because... There, there is nothing else. There's no forensic evidence. Mm. There's nothing else to do. All we've got is Kirsty's story. And Kirsty's sticking to her story, no matter what. But I'm using forensic in a, in a, in a more old-fashioned way, but even the defence are not really taking a forensic look at this case, as we are doing today, in looking at alternative scenarios. If you see, if as the defence you're saying that Eliza is innocent, then you're going to have to pick at all those precognition statements. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to ask Sergeant Milne why he asked somebody else to look at the prisoner while he went to get his colleague. Or why did he ask somebody to look at Eliza but not Samuel? You're going to have to ask about the doctor situation. You're going to have to ask about the razor situation. You're going to have to ask all these questions. And the thing is that... Yeah. Victorian society is built on the law. You do not question the law. Mm. You don't question the church. You don't question the law. And if you are a lawyer, even if you are a defence barrister, Sergeant Milne, in a way, is part of your team. You'd be saying, yeah, well, he, yeah, he's yeah. a bit incompetent. Yeah. And then, of course, you'd have to speak to Superintendent Alfred John List and say, excuse me, why have you got incompetent sergeants down in uh, Stow? wonder about pulling together a case in such a poor way. So that would then unravel that. And because Superintendent John List is involved in political machinations up in Edinburgh trying to suppress the political stuff, then you're bringing politics into it. 
And ah. <laughs> we don't want any of this because if you pull up a thread, remember we've said this previously in the podcast, in the law, don't ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. Yep. Well, also, don't pull at a thread because you don't know where it's going to lead. Yep. But you've got this lovely mad woman who isn't seeing anything. Mm. It's fantastic. All Eliza says is, I don't remember touching the children. Yeah. And she won't say anything else. She doesn't give evidence in court. No. So Kirsty's story stands. Yeah. But if Kirsty's story falls, the whole case falls. falls yeah. And if the situation in the White House is as we've described it with Jane and the baby... That accounts for that timeline, and the rest of the nonsense is down to Sergeant Milne and his incompetence. So and he, that, I yeah, say, is, yeah. is as plausible, if not more so, than yep. Eliza going I home. I agree. Eliza has an argument about soap, goes home, takes her dress off, puts her so she goes home, collects her children from her neighbour, takes her dress off, puts that up, sees about the fact that she's been caught stealing soap, Again, she's mm. done this before for yeah. some reason, but apparently yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. She writes a suicide note, then changes her mind, kills her daughter, kills her son, slices her own throat. Mm. No, it, it just It'd be doesn't... interesting if you could talk me through that process. Yeah, because it, it's... you know, you can't... I mean, the psychological pressure of killing yourself is massive. Mm. Psychological pressure of taking a blade to a baby, yeah. doing it once... And then doing it a second time, time, and then to your own throat. Whereas Samuel, with the male thing of control, yeah, mm. I can see him doing it. The story that we've, we can't know what, what happened, but given, and, and you get the credit for this, given all the documentation we've plowed through, we are beginning to answer some of our own questions in yes. terms of why both white Roberts go to the mill. Exactly. Why Samuel goes back to the white yes. house. Yeah. Why the text, the words on the suicide note always caused us an issue mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of take good care of the kids, the yeah. dance. Yeah. And. Yeah, Sergeant Milne's note about she changed her mind and not used in not evidence. Used in evidence. Kirsty's precognition statement and her evidence in the trial being identical. Yeah. Yeah. And if one accepts that Eliza went back the second time to the shop to confront either Kirsty herself or the whites mm. in, in general, yep. all of these things start to fall into place. Yes. It was Samuel. Eliza tried to kill herself. Yes. And it was Samuel taking back control, sorting this out, getting rid of it. Because if he can kill both children mm -hmm. and Eliza gets hung for it, sorted. He goes back to work in the mill, gets lots of sympathy. Oh, poor man, his wife was mad. You know, his wife was bad. Oh, she killed the children. He's sorted. And he's gotten away with it before, with the alias and the moving Well, from, we don't know exactly what over. happened in Dukesbury, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was serious enough in Dukesbury, not just for him to run away, but to run away and change his, change name, his name and change his age. Yeah. And remember, he ran away with Eliza when he first met her in Leslie. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. He's got yeah. a history of, you know, this. he's not this decent guy that stands up and he is possibly the father of baby Robert. Yeah. Or certainly that's the implication. Really? Yes, I mentioned so, all the maize, mites and coots, mm, but, yeah, of but course. Uh, as I sit here, I think that what we given, put together... Given the storyline that we have, given Kirsty's evidence, given the timeline we've got, given the knowledge we have about men taking control and the fact that of parents who kill children, something like 90% are fathers or stepfathers, and given the manner of their death, women yeah. do not kill with blades, given all of that... I would say it is much more likely Samuel killed those children than, than Eliza did. Much more likely. And I, I would agree. 
Yeah. Many thank you. We're now into our fourth part mm-hmm. of this rather tragic story. And to date, we have not revealed the verdict in this case when it came to trial. Yeah. Is now the time or should we leave that till the next? I th- so I, th- I think there are two things I would like to finish <laughs> on. Which One, which is the one question that we still have about this whole situation. Is this about Samuel? Samuel is the co-accused, uh-huh. and yet within 24 hours he's not. And I still don't know why that happened. I still up. can't work that out. <laughs> Instinctively, cover up. <laughs> but for poor Eliza, she goes from being the co-accused... Yeah to being the accused, to being guilty. And, and, and made the void of voice. Was, and that's it. That was the verdict. She was found guilty of the murder. But perhaps that's not quite the end of her story. This and is that's no what we should explore in our, in our final episode yeah. about murder in Stow. Thank you, because I would be very interested in what comes next for a few of those key yes, players absolutely, in yeah. this story. It doesn't work out well for Eliza, does it? No, no. but... Uh, Shall we leave it at that? We'll leave it at that for now, and we'll meet again soon. With Thank you very much, Mary. As ever, fascinating. Thank you. Thank you.